Blog Talk Radio. This is Cale Brown. Now, I didn't play a doctor on TV, but I will prescribe Brandon's buzz for absolutely anybody who wants to know what's really going on. Hey, guys, this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. This is Taylor Dane, and you are listening to the one and only Brandon Buzz. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. This is Linda Dano. I'm on Brandon's Buzz, and I have to tell you, what a fun hour I just had. Ah. This is a great kid with a wonderful heart and soul. You listen every day. I know I will. Hey, hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Martin from the band Mr. Big. I'm live and kicking on Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Dave Camaro, and you're going to love buzzing with Brandon's Buzz. Hey guys, welcome back to Brandon's Buzz. I am Brandon. I have a fabulous lady on the phone, and we have a full slate of conversation topics, so we're just going to dive right in here. You know, my guest tonight is one of my all-time favorites. For 12 years, she wrote Critical Condition, the soap industry's premier opinion column, and her blistering, uh, 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 her blistering prose has often been imitated, but never once duplicated. During the runs of both that column and of the subsequent web blog, which bears her name, she has written extensively about her old favorite soap, As the World Turns, and on the occasion of that serious final episode, uh, I knew there was nobody that I'd rather talk to more than this lady right here. And I'm thrilled to welcome back to Brandon's Buzz for the sixth time, the marvelous, magnificent Marlena Delacroix herself, Connie Pasolacqua-Hayman. Well, thank you, Brandon. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm drying my tears. I just watched the next to last episode, and I'm sitting here with my hankies, and I'm crying like a little child, which is how old I was when I started watching After World by the way. You know, I have this wrenching feeling that this is going to develop into a recurring theme for us, a recurring tradition, you know, this thing of us sending soaps off into the ether. Oh, I hope not. Maybe for a while, you know, maybe the killing spree is over for a while. I think that the ABC soap, who knows, looks like they might be here to stay. I don't know about One Life, but, uh, you know, saying goodbye to As the World Turns is just wrenching. Just, 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 just wrenching. I wrote about it on my blog, and immediately, within like a half hour, I had like 20 responses because... <laughs> You know, this is, I, this is like going saying goodbye to mother. It's it's just terrible. You know, I, I won't ask you a stupid question like, were you surprised that World Friends was canceled? Because I, I don't think any of us were. But well, I was surprised. I, I didn't really think that they had the ratings to go up the air, and I don't think they were that bad. I mean, I've seen soaps in much worse space. Look at Guiding Light. That was really sure. kind of like that almost didn't make it to the finish line. But as the World Parents was still going, you know. I mean, they still have storylines. They have Dr. Reed Oliver, this very popular character, and Luke, and they were still chugging along, and I was I was surprised. Uh, tell me your initial reaction to this to this news when it broke last winter. I cried. <laughs> <laughs> I cried. I mean, I watched the show forever. I mean, I watched the show when I was in high school, and it's just always there, you know. It's just... It's always there. It's, it's almost like somebody's family. It's almost like losing a member of your own family. And I, I, I just find the, the whole thing very sad and very wrenching and uh, very hard to say to go out of these people we've spent our lives with. You know, I have to tell you, and I think we've talked about this before, but, you know, World Trends was never a favorite of mine. I started watching One Life during my teenage years. And uh-huh. 
before that, I watched Another World with my mother and grandmother, and, you know, they they both aired directly opposite as well turns for the entirety of my time as a Soviet viewer. So, uh, you know, I've kind of kept up with what's going on, and I've dropped in from time to time, but I've never really been a regular viewer of this show the way I was of Guiding Light or Another World or Santa Barbara. So, you know, while I'm crushed that we're losing another show, I don't really have the personal attachment to this show that I had to Guiding Light a year ago. I understand, but, you know, After World Times is the mother of all selves. I mean, everybody in those soap worlds has worked on After World Times. Agnes Nixon, uh, the Cordays, everyone, Doug Marlins, everyone in the world has worked on As the World Turns at some part. It's true, it, 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 at some point in their lives. So in a way, you know, As the World Turns is in your, is part of your legacy also. Well, and you know, I, I've been watching As the World Turns the past few weeks, kind of leading up to the finale, and you know, I'm crying. <laughs> Aren't you worried about Chris? Come on, <laughs> I know you were. Well, you know, I have to say, in some ways, the loss of this show is more tragic than Guiding Light was a year ago because, to me, structurally speaking, it is in infinitely better shape in its final days than Guiding Light ever was. You know, on balance, and speaking to your point earlier, you you, you broached this. This is, this is still a very fine, very emotionally affecting show. Well, you still got the same family. You still got the U's, and the U's started, you know, the very first day, 1956, and you still got Bob and Chris and... You know, you still got a through line, and the through line is gone my entire life. I mean, how many people have people in their lives that are alive their entire lives? Sure. You still have your parents. You're very lucky. If not, and Kim is still there, and Lisa's still there, and, and you know, right. Nancy, Nancy still a few months ago, and they're all there. You know, they're there. Lillian Holden are there, and uh, Lucinda is there, and John is there. It's the same people from years and years and years and years ago. It's hard to let them go. And they've done. They've done. I think a better job than most soaps have at kind of replenishing their younger generation and taking taking their their younger generation directly from the older generation. I mean, you know, the well, yeah, pretty much everybody's related to someone. Exactly, I and mean, I, you know, some of the soaps have have done a poor job of that, and this one's done a very good job. Yeah, of that. Luke is, a, is William Holden's son, and Chris is Kim and Bob's son, and pretty much everyone on the show. Not everyone. I mean, there were people from the outside. And the young youngsters were very serious, you know, finding them like discoing or robbing people or killing people or, you know, they're all very serious, serious people. Everybody's a doctor or a lawyer or in school or a young filmmaker. You know, these are very, very serious young people. It was never a very frivolous show. There was never a lot of comedy on As the World Turns. You know what's funny to me? Every soap has the, the two or three major families that have you know, kind of pressed forth throughout the runs of the series. They, I mean, Days has the Hortons and the Bradys, and right. uh-huh. One Life has the Lords and the Buchanans, and All My Children has the Martins. But World Turns, by and large, is the one show that's always kind of been about family, you know, about the dynamics and the, the interpersonal relationships within true families. How was yeah. that show able so well to... To maintain that theme and that thread throughout massive changes and, you know, all the turnover. Well, that's what America's about. America's about family. You know, we come to this country and we're by ourselves. The only people we usually have are our parents or our grandparents. And when Erna Phillips, I guess the answer is Erna Phillips started this. I mean, she was a single mother, but she had family. And she knew that family was the root that made America great. And that's why I think one of the columns that I wrote about this uh, the end is called Love and Family in America, and that's what it's all about. It's generations, literally generations. I know there was a soap called Generations, but this soap, you've seen those generations. <laughs> that's why the family is so important. I mean, you've seen families on other shows, but this is like one family. Yes. I mean, there were other families. There was the Stewarts, and sure. the Lowells, and the Snyders. But the users have been there from the beginning Absolutely. until the end. It's always, always, always about family. It's always about 
you know, when I was a kid, Grandpa used used to raise a flag on holidays. That was, like, unbelievable. You know, and as I've written, my family was nothing like she uses. I mean, my parents yelled at each other and, you know, wore undershirts to dinner and, and you know, nothing like she uses. They yeah. came to dinner, you know, and their ties and their coats and everything was extremely formal. I mean, they didn't eat pasta, you know, and, but as the world time was an American family. When you, when there was the 4th of July, you knew it was coming. Grandpa would go out and raise the flag. <laughs> you mentioned Erna Phillips. She created, you know, uh, more soaps than we can count on two hands. Right. This was her baby, was it not? Yeah, but it was the greatest hit in the world. I mean, it's so hard to, to, to think about it now. But As the World Turns was an enormous hit. It had like 78% of the audience. And it was a, it was a cross-generation. I guess it, I, I don't know if a lot of your viewers might know this, but there was a primetime series that was spun off in 1964 called All Private World. And it was, very, it was on for about a season or two. It was kind of like in the era of Peyton Place. And it was spun off, and Lisa was the star. So this show was an enormous hit. Everyone watched it. Presidents watched it. Generals watched it. You name it. Uh, movie stars watched it. Tennessee Williams watched it. Wow. Teddy Davis watched it. Um, you know, this was just like, if you think American Idol is a big hit now, I think <laughs> As the World Turns in the 50s. I'm serious. It was a big, big hit. It made tons and tons of money. And Lisa was bigger than Brenda. I say Brenda, B-R-E-N-D-U-A. Yeah. <laughs> and she was bigger even than, you know, she was the precursor to Erica. Who was oh, sure. She was the precursor much. to Erica, to Rachel, to Dorian, to right. Lucinda herself. I mean, That's uh, you right. Know. She was a star. Everybody knew who Lisa was. Sure. Tell me some of your initial memories of watching the show. I mean, I know that you were a huge Another World fan in your younger days. How aware were you of this show? Well, I was watching Another World, I guess. And I remember watching After World Turns in the 60s because I was shocked by it because I remember they had the use and this was when Kim first came on. I remember they had a drug pusher on the show, and this was, like, pretty revolutionary in the 60s. You never saw drug pushers on After World Turns, which had the American flag, and he was, like, getting Tom into drugs. This was before... Tom went off to Vietnam and was like, oh, my God, you couldn't believe the soap opera that you're, that the, you know, the young hero of your show would go to Vietnam. And I remember Gary Sandy, who was in WKRP, was the drug pusher. And I was just shocked, shocked, shocked. And it was really a very contemporary show, much more so than Another World, and certainly at the time than the, than the ABC soap. It really brought America home to you. And, you know, I remember those days really well because even though I was a sheltered teenager, I mean, people were going to Vietnam. It was a slice of America, but it was a slice also of contemporary America. I mean, Agnes always gets credit for doing very uh, contemporary storylines, but, you know, Erna really worked in uh, lots and lots of now. You couldn't ask for anything more controversial in 1969 than Vietnam, and there it was on As the World Turns. You know, that's probably where Agnes picked up a a great deal of her. her... Well, Agnes was the intern for Agnes and Bill Bell were the interns for Erna, and that's where they learned their stuff, and... By the way, they were incredibly competitive. <laughs> I'm serious. Until they're, until down to the time that Mr. Bell died. I mean, they were incredibly competitive because they literally worked in the office. It was Bill and Erna and, and Agnes and uh, in Chicago. And that's how As the World Turns was written in the 50s. Wow. You know, every time I bring you in here, I, I go back and, and thumb through all the old Super Weeklies and look at all the old critical conditions and just kind of, you know, it, it's a fun way for me to kind of take take the temperature of where you were back in the day. And and I, you know, I've pulled some quotes as I as I often do from from past critical critical conditions, and, and I want to I want to share some of those with you. Oh, I'm you, very flattered. Okay. Get your thoughts on them today. Critical condition right here, July July second, nineteen ninety one. Okay. This is the column as well turns eyes on the prize. 
Oakdale is a place where we'd all like to live, especially given the, the current debilitated family structure in America. With divorce, with single lifestyles, and an aging population, we're a nation of the segmented and the lonely. In Oakdale, everyone has a best friend or family member who uh, he can call or, or visit any hour of the day or night. Everyone in Oakdale has an anchor. That includes not just the good characters, but the most grievous of sinners. In Oakdale, there's always someone who leaves the porch light on for you. As the world turns, it's a kind of a memory or a dream of the small-town American past. Well, it's true. I know that like when I was in college, I would always go with my problems to my friends. But, you know, and also you didn't have to go to your friends. You can go to your mother. You can go to your grandmother. Everybody had a mother. That's another thing that Agnes copied that Erna ever. Everyone had a mother. Lisa had a mother. Susan, I think, I don't know if Susan had a mother, but everybody went to Nancy with their problems. There was always somebody there for you. You didn't have to call your shrink. If something was wrong, you could always go talk to Bob or you could talk to Judge Lowell, who was this older man who was very uh, uh, judicious. And, you know, you could talk to these people. There was always somebody there for you. And I think in America these days, many people are not there for you. I think it's very hard to find someone right away when you need someone. We all should be lucky enough to have a brother or a sister or an aunt or an uncle or a mother or a father or a significant other who's there every time we have a problem, you know. And, 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 and in those days, that's what Oakdale was. There was always someone there for you. You could always speak to uh, Mrs. Snyder. You could always speak to, as I said, Bob. There was always somebody there for you. You could always go to Tom or Margo. Tom or Margo could always go to their parents. And I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, you know, you watch the other shows. Do people always have people there for them? You know, it's not these days. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before, and, and I always mention One Life to Live. You know, when I, when I was coming up watching One Life to Live, it really felt like a community, and now it doesn't. And, you know, I'm thinking of, of the shows, and none of the shows really feel like that anymore. I mean, it's all – it's, and, you know, our lives don't feel like that anymore. I mean, you know, we no, have... No, there's so much divorce. People's families are all over the place. I mean, you know, I, I'm i at the point where I basically don't really have very much family left. If I want to talk to someone in my family, I have to go far, far away, and it's sad. And everyone has two jobs, and everyone is struggling, and everyone is, you know, fighting the, the uh, fighting the odds, so to speak. And right. And we, we have all this technology that you would think would draw us closer, and in a way, it pulls us even farther apart from each other. That's true, definitely. It's funny because... Recently, uh, a former uh, As It Will Turns writer found me on Facebook, and now she's got an advice column. You can ask her your problems. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of, you know, I mean, I have to pay someone for my problems. I'm lucky I have a wonderful husband, and I tell him my problems. But, you know, you don't have that. I think on one of my tools, you've got the Kramer girls. And if I see one more, C-R-A-M-E-R, you know, we've been to more strengths than anybody on earth. Scene. I mean, it's wonderful, but you, there's not really a lot of people to go to. I mean, there's Vicky, you know, I, and I, I hear that now with the return of Kim Zimmer, Vicky will have her own problems. And once again, thank God. But, you know, you really don't have that cohesiveness. You don't have that, you know, that kind of like that soft lining to, to lean on when you really need the, when you really, really need help. And now Alice has gone on Days of Our Lives, and Phoebe's gone on All My Children, know. and you know all the all the great mothers have gone. Even you know Nancy. I mean, I never really liked Nancy. I always thought Nancy was a pain in the neck. And you know, when she died, I'm like, she, I'm like, I cried, and I have the pictures of my parents who are no longer with us. And I was looking at the picture of my mother, and I'm crying because I had a you know a conflict relationship with my own mother the way that many people have conflict relationships with Nancy. The mothers, the great mothers, and the great fathers are gone or written out. Most of them are written out at this point. <laughs> 
Critical Condition, July 2nd, 1991. Eyes on the prize again. On As the World Turns, characters are established and well-drawn real people first, and problematic or different characters second. We learn their differentness makes them no different from anyone else. Well, you know, that, that's just a precursor to Luke and Noah. And believe me, Doug Marlin would have been the first person to write a Luke and Noah story. He brought in Hank Elliott, which was the first gay man on soap operas. And he wrote people. He didn't write problems. He didn't write bank robberies. He didn't write thunderstorms. Or mob hits write, or tornadoes. Mob hits or, yeah. or tornadoes. He wrote people. And, you know, Hank Elliott was a fashion designer. And he was in agony because his lover had AIDS. He was off camera. And, Believe me, if that could have written a full gay story, he wouldn't have written it. And, you know, everybody was themselves. Hank was very, very close to, to um, uh, not Barbara. I think he was close to Barbara because he worked with her. They were designers, and he was very friendly with Margot. People were and people. Iva. And, and Iva. People were people. They were not their problems. They were not guns the way they are on, on, on General <laughs> Hospital now. On General Hospital, bang, bang, that's you. <laughs> You know? <laughs> so I killed my son. What difference is in that? <laughs> you know, you mentioned Doug Marlin, and it's impossible to discuss As World Turns without invoking his name. You know, he came to this show in the mid-'80s and sure. was instrumental in, in returning this show to, to uh, proper glory. Well, before that, um, who was the, the – the, I'm sorry, the Dobsons had written As the World Turns, and they had written kind of a kooky show, which was a, a precursor to <laughs> Santa Barbara. Uh, to Santa Barbara. But – he returned the horse with he returned he brought his own family in the Snyders. The Snyders were basically his family that was in West Ham Lake, New York. Those brothers and sisters were his his brothers and sisters. And Emma was his mother, was she not? Emma was his mother. Yeah, Beatrice. He always had a mother named Bee. That was uh, everyone knows that that there was a Beatrice on Guiding Light. And he brought his own family into that show. He brought everything that he had into that show. That was the the happiest experience of his life. Because he was well, giving Carl Blanche to do whatever he wanted. When he was on General Hospital, Gloria Monty tried to put the show away from him. When he was on, on Guiding Light, which he did an excellent job on, you know, he couldn't always write what he wanted to, but on After World Turns, he was in all his glory, definitely. You know, I know that you and he were quite friendly. Tell me about him. Tell me about his genius. He Tell was about... a wonderful man. I mean, he was just the sweetest man. He'd take you to lunch, and he'd take you to, he always take you to, like, the best place. Sometimes I'm in the city, and I see some of the places that he took me, like to Barbetta's or he take you to a wonderful lunch on such a place. And he had such class. It was unbelievable. And he'd show up, and he'd be wearing this fabulous talented blue suit, and he had, like, these twinkling blue eyes. And he was just wonderful. Who treats you like that? It was like, wow, this is my fantasy. And he was just a wonderful man. I, I was just so shocked when he died. I think we all were. It was just the most shocking thing. I mean, he was only 59 years old, and he was friendly with everyone. He and Jim Riley were great friends, and he and all his actors were great friends. Um, Patrick Irwin and I did a, a series kind of remembering, if you look on my website, remembering Doug Marlin, and I wrote a long remembrance of, you know, different times that I had with Douglas. And people loved him. They loved him because he loved us. He was a big part of the soap community. In those days, you know, people didn't talk to the press, and now, you know, Doug always talked to us. He was very open. You know, as you said, he was someone who bounced all around the daytime landscape. I mean, he wrote quite brilliantly for Guiding Light. And, you know, a lot of people probably don't even know now that he created the character of Luke Spencer on General Hospital. He and certainly he, did. He created he that whole thing. Wow, he did by Gloria Massey. He certainly did. And he, he co-created Loving with Agnes Nixon. Sure. I had lunch with, with both of them when they did that. And, you know, so many of the things that you see now on daytime were his creations. You know, the way that Sonny was Claire Cla- Cla- Labine's uh, creation. You'd never know that. <laughs> 
you know, almost any time his name is mentioned now, it's mentioned in conjunction with As the World Turns, as though he was born and destined to end up on this show. Well, Seth was really an actor, you know. He was an actor. He had been in many, many off-Broadway shows. He was also on As the World Turns. He was the doctor when, 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 when Lisa had a fetus and she didn't know how she got pregnant. People remember Doug because his days, a lot of people think, were the best days. I think that many, many days on As the World Turns were the best days. But if you watched his show in the mid-'80s, it was theater, and I think I wrote that in, in Eyes on the Prize. And, and Doug was thrilled. I think that was one of the most thrilling moments of, of his life when I called that show theater because it really was. If you've ever seen any um, Arthur Miller plays, if you've ever seen All My Sons or anything, that's what As the World Turns was like. And he had an audience that was not so proper watchers. He had a lot, a lot of theater people. I mean, theater people, and they say, oh, you're still watching As the World Turns? Because theater people watched As the World Turns. And acted on As the World Turns. And, as, and yeah. acted on As the World Turns. Philip Bosco and Harris Ewan, many, many, many Tova people. Tova was, was on there for a while. Tova was on for a while. Many, many theater people were on. And, of course, Larry Brigham sure. has been in the theater forever and has won Tonys and Emmys. And, uh, you know, it was really, really close to the Broadway theater. Having known him, can you speak to how he felt about this show and about breathing life into these characters? As I said, this show was his family, and you never saw a happy man. I mean, he, he literally, when you saw him, he twinkled. His <laughs> eyes twinkled. He loved it. He loved the actors. He loved writing great stories. Um, I don't know if you remember the story. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe you weren't, you were, I, I, this wasn't your show, but the, he wrote a story for John Wesley Shipley where his character was obsessed with Kim, and all of a sudden it was revealed that this guy was a crazy stalker and he had pictures of Kim all over the place. It was a fabulous story, and everybody loved it, loved it. And he loved writing for John. John was very close to him. Critical Condition, April 13, 1993, Douglas Marlin, A Remembrance. The secret of Douglas's success was that his work always said something. His soaps eschewed empty plot machinations and, like the best of drama, strove to shed light on the human condition. He once told me that viewers watched soaps as much for the fantasy love of an old-fashioned extended family as they do for the fantasy of romance. It's true. Um, you know, Doug was a, a single man. He lived in Manhattan, and he had many brothers and sisters, but they were stretched out all over the world. He saw his mother often, but his family were often the women that he was very close with, the women and men that he was close with in the city. And I would always, I would see him as a theater quite a bit. And he knew that people didn't have Grandpa Hughes, although Grandpa Hughes was dead by then. But they didn't have Bob. They didn't have Kim. They didn't have someone to go to. So he knew that folks were extended family the way your family was your own, and he knew that. And that's one of the reasons that the show was so successful. But there were also a lot of conflicts. If you remember, those brothers were always beating each other up. <laughs> Yes, I remember. You know, the I remember. Kind of brothers were always in conflict. I remember Holden and Caleb getting into some some yeah. knockdowns. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. You know, there will be knocked down drag out fights. Seth and Holden and, oh, so many of them. All the Snyders were always yelling at each other, which is like my house. <laughs> Critical Condition, April 13th, 1993. I remember it still. Doug understood the soap form better than just about anyone I've ever dealt with. He educated a whole generation of journalists as to just what the nebulous soap form was and uh -huh. wasn't. This is information not to be found in any textbook. I learned so much from him, not just about soaps, but about the dynamics of all drama. Well, you know, I have to tell you something. That sometimes you read blogs and you think that everybody's all friends. Well, they're not. In those days, the soap people did not speak to us. Now they're all my friends on Facebook. I don't know how. <laughs> but um, in those days, people didn't talk to you. The only people who would come out and talk to you would be Doug or uh, Brian Franz was another person who would talk to us in the old days. But Doug was a lot more educational. 
Brian would like coming to the parties and hanging out with the girls, but you didn't hear me say that. <laughs> but Doug was a wonderful man. He would come out and he would explain how you write a story. He would explain how you cast. He would explain what he got from the actors. He would explain the way he puts together a, a, series, a, a story. The same way if you went up to see Paul Roush, he would explain the lighting to you. You know, all these things that you read online now, you think, oh, where does this knowledge come from? It doesn't come from a book. It comes from people who actually did what they did, and they said it's Swiss journalists, and that's why being a soap journalist is the greatest job in the world, because you've got to write about how these things were made, not who was running around with who. You know, you got to say how it was written, how Landview came to be, how someone went to heaven, how the Snyders came to be. And it was heaven. It was the greatest job ever. This is a quote from John Conboy reacting to Doug Marlin's death in 1993. His greatest strength was as a storyteller. No matter how many people are doing breakdowns and writing scripts, when you lose Scheherazade, you lose it all. That's right. He was the one who told the story. He was the one who sat in the house and told the story. You know, when you write a soap opera, as you know, there are... It has a tremendous infrastructure. You've got the breakdown writers and the writer writers, but that is the one who spun the story, and he believed in the single vision, and the single vision is one of the things that really um, made soap operas great. If you like One Life to Live, well, that's one of the problems with One Life to Live is that you don't have a singular vision there. You have many visions, one of which is Mr. Franz. And, you know, who's ever writing that show for Ron is not telling his own story. He's got other people telling stories for him. But Doug knew you had to have a singular vision. A singular vision was always the most important thing on any soap. Um, someone's point of view. You don't need hundreds of points of view the way that there are now on soap. Who are the Ford brothers? Could you tell me? Could you tell me how to find one from the other one who likes to live? <laughs> you know, I was going to ask you about that well, very thing later. They? One of them was a writing teacher. I'm a writing teacher. I never knew any writing teachers that looked like that. <laughs> Where did they come from? Did they come from outer space? Did they type them in from modeling school? And the scary thing is they all look exactly alike. They do. I can't tell one from the other. Can you? And, you know, it's so funny. I, I, I had I had one of them on my show, David Gregory, and he was such a nice guy. Oh, they're so sure they're sweet guys. Just I'm, a great I'm sure guy. they're great guys. But, yeah. uh, you know, you watch that show and you can't tell one from the other. You can't distinguish anybody. I know. It's amazing, isn't it? Well, you know, I, ha I have a theory, which I'll share if you if you'd like to hear it. Sure. You know, One Life, they, they ditched their, their gay storyline. The, right, the, I know, know the, that was the worst. The celebrated Kish thing. and The biggest betrayal ever. You know, I have this theory that someone at the network level, and I won't, I won't, I won't speculate who, but somebody decided that they would just bring in all these cute boys and have them just dock their shirts, and that would be sufficient to replace, you know, the storyline that everybody went crazy for and everybody went nuts about when they fired them. You know, I didn't think about that, but I, 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 I think you're right. And I think also, you know, that they really wanted to get the youth sense of the summer, that they were going for that gossip girl kind of thing. I mean, exactly. the gossip girl is boring now. Come on. <laughs> and, you know, they take their shirts off. Hey, I can watch the situation on Jason yeah. with the stars, exactly. right? Exactly. You know, it's not a terribly fair question because it presupposes all sorts of scenarios, but... If Doug were around today, what would he think of what's happening across the daytime landscape? Well, I was thinking about that. I think when Doug died, he was 63, so he would probably be 63 and 17. He'd be 80 years old, so I don't know. He'd probably be retired in, in Europe and France if I knew him. Meanwhile, I like to think maybe he and Jim are in heaven you know, <laughs> drinking to us because they were good friends, and there they are together again. Very, very sad. I think people will say, what would Doug say? Because I know he wrote that thing in Digest where, you know, the rules. Well, sure. the rules don't apply anymore. You don't have Brian Frost to put up with. You don't have more ratings to put up with. You don't have cancellations to put up with. You know, you don't have Parker and Gamble deciding in their boardroom that soaps are over. Sure. 
Procter & Gamble supported us. They were very, very generous. Procter & Gamble invented soaps. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I'll never buy Olive Olay again. <laughs> You know, you go to the stores, that's them, all of our way. They've got all of our way for everything. I, I refuse to buy it. <laughs> and I'm eternally young. Marlena is eternally young anyway, so what difference does it make? Would even Doug be able to stave off what seems to be the imminent demise of this genre of television? I don't know, because I think he would have been given a very hard time in terms of being able to write pure soap opera about families. I think they probably wanted to want, would want to make it, you know, mobbed up and... You know, they, I think he'd probably have a very, very difficult time. And as I said, he'd be 80 years old. He'd be retired. He was the first person, whenever he was criticized, he was very, very, very sensitive. He's kind of like me. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody criticizes me, and I go crazy. <laughs> and he would just quit his job and go on to the next soap. So he might have been on another soap. You never know. What is his ultimate legacy as a writer? His, his legacy is love, that he always wrote love stories, that he wrote fabulous women that he wrote fabulous families, and also that he loved the genre. I mean, you would see him, and this is way before the net. This is way before all the amateur soap writers and soap historians came out. He loved soap operas, and he loved the soap opera community. He he really, really took an interest in us, and by us I mean myself and Michael Logan and Meredith and people who were around him. He really took an interest in us, and we were very fortunate that he took an interest in us because he taught us very, very much. He taught us... Almost a lot, so much of what I know comes from people like Doug and Paul Roush. And, you know, you see all this stuff going around on the net now, but I got it from the horse's mouth, and I was very lucky that, I, that Doug was one of them. You walked away from soap criticism and journalism not long after a, a writer by the name of Hogan Shepard took over. Yeah, yeah, Hogan, I never got to meet Hogan. And I, I know that Hogan was loved for a while and hated for a while and loved for a while and hated for a while. Why don't you tell me more about him? Well, you know, I, I'm not sure what you know about his time on the show, but, you, you know, the man won four daytime Emmys for outstanding writing over the five-year tenure that he spent with the show, and, and he's pretty widely credited with saving the show. And, you right. know, he got a lot of press during that time. I remember. Describing his work as Marlon Desk. Uh-huh. I was just wondering what your take on that was. Well, as I said, you know, up to that point I had met pretty much every uh, soap writer, but I never met Hogan. But I know that people seem to be very fond of him, and, you know, moral and death is the same thing as giving an A in a class or an A+. plus. You say something is moral and death, and you know it's great. And I wasn't around then, so as far as, far as I'm concerned, there was no soap <laughs> I was too busy up in graduate school. You know, there was a renewed, uh, there, uh, there was a renewed emphasis on family. There was a renewed emphasis on, you know, the, the love stories, the, the classic hallmarks of, of Marlon's time on the show. Right. And, uh-huh. and so... You know, after after I mean after seven years of not having that on the show, it was kind of a a, a great renaissance for the show. It was it was kind of a great. Well, I'll give it to you. You know, I was watching uh, Young and the Restless today. They had Chance's funeral, and I thought it was beautifully done. It was beautifully done. It was a beautifully done family story. And if Hogan wrote that, and if that's the kind of stuff you wrote on As the World Turns, then uh, I'm sure that it was pretty wonderful. Because I don't know if you watch do you watch Hawaiian R at all? I do. Oh, you do. So, have you watched this whole thing with Chance dying? Yes, I have. What do you think? You know, I think that he's not dead. I think they're going to snooker us. But really, I, I I do. I just have the sneaking suspicion that that there's a there's another twist coming there. But Trisha Cass has been extraordinary. Extraordinary. She's always extraordinary. She won Best Young. I think she won the Best First Best Young Actress Award. She's always extraordinary. She's got guts, baby. 
And I'll tell you what, this kid Jeff Renson, whatever they're paying him, it's not enough. I think he is absolutely flawless. Yeah, he's he's really an interesting actor. He kind of harkens back to the days of old soaps when, you know, soaps didn't look like cover boys. They didn't look like they were going to rip their shirt off. And, you know, I'm not trying to cast aspersions on Jeff Renson, but he's the kind of actor that used to make soaps go in the old days. He's kind of like... I don't know if your mom will remember this. He's kind of like Walter Curtin, you know. He's kind of like the great instigators of soap operas past. And he's been very interesting on that show. It's out of place because usually on that show, you know, you've got these modely type people. And he's nice. He just comes on. Boom. Sure. You know. You and, know, if you uh, remember Ray Liotta on Another World, if you remember Kevin Bacon on Guiding Light. I do, Ray. I love Ray. He's, he's, ah. he's, he's, very, he's very reminiscent of, of those two. He's very yeah. reminiscent of those. Ray. But he's also got the model good looks. I mean, he looks... He's he does strong. have good looks. He really does. But he doesn't have that, like, pretty boy look. You know what I mean? He kind of seems a little bit rougher. Like the Ford brothers. Right. You <laughs> know, the Ford brothers. The Ford brothers are so pretty. But seriously, <laughs> they should send me an awful letter because I feel sorry for them. <laughs> these, these kids should have their own identity. They really should. And I know they must be working very, very hard. It's very hard to be dropped in. It's kind of like being dropped on your head to be thrown into a lead position with, like, basically not a lot of background or training or family. You know, but Jeff Branson is, is interesting. He's not my favorite, though. You know, I know that a lot of people like him on Guiding Light. He's not my favorite. So, uh, talk to me about Luke and Noah on As the World Turns. You know, by capturing the zeitgeist with those two characters and then seemingly wimping out and playing it safe, did they shoot themselves in the foot in, in, in a way? I don't know. I mean, they were involved for three years. That's a long relationship, don't you think? And anybody in, in, in any kind of relationship these days, three years is long, don't you think? Sure. So I don't know if they shot themselves in the foot. I really don't. They gave them a, you know, they gave them an interloper. Dr. Reed was a great interloper. I mean, he's the kind of guy that, you know, he came in and he really caused a lot of trouble. And what an actor. Yeah. Everybody's in love with him. Gosh, it's incredible. He's gotten the most kudos of anybody new this year. He's probably one of best new Marlena. <laughs> If I was still doing the Marlena Awards. <laughs> Which you should still be. Maybe I'll do them next year. Maybe I'll do them this year. But seriously, I know that people were really, really upset that he was killed off. What, what, what do you think? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, 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 of two minds about it. I mean, it was, it was great drama on uh-huh. one hand. You know, on the other hand, since the show was canceled anyway, I don't really understand why they didn't, why they didn't just commit to it and go there fully. I mean, the show was going off the air anyway, so what, what, what did they have to lose? Right. By, you know, really going there and really, really committing to it. I don't know either, as I said, but at least it was a full relationship, unless you saw them. I mean, I don't know if you saw Young and Restless, but, you know, Philip, the, the father, like, he just kind of made eyes at someone the other day, and then you never saw the rest of it. <laughs> So at least he saw something on As the World Turns, yes. and that something was a long relation. I think in both years, three years is a long time these days. <clears throat> I just yeah. find myself wishing that Doug had been around to write it. Well, I'm sure that Doug wanted to write this story, a story like this more than anything in the world, but, you know, those were different times. Sure. Those were different times. Somebody once just quoted back a, a story I had written in, like, 1992, when I had quoted saying that, you know, the soaps were all about women, and somebody said, well, how could you say that soaps are just about women? And, you know, times have changed. I don't know. On the whole, are you disappointed or, you know, on the whole? On the whole, it's hard to say. On the whole, I'm, I mean, they didn't write them out like Kish. All of a sudden, yeah. Kish were there. They were there one day and they were gone the next. I mean, that, on on the whole, I'm grateful that we got what we got. Right. On the whole. Uh-huh. Nitpicking it, I'm disappointed in certain aspects of it, especially in the year since the cancellation was announced. Right. I mean, you know, the show's going off the air anyway. Why not really commit to it and really 
you know, make some history in these in these final days. Right, right. Do you mean by the fact that Reed was not shown in bed with Luke? Is sure. That... I mean, you know, it, it was just kind of it was just kind of ridiculous that that they that they seemed to be so crazy about each other, and yet it was it was very chaste. Yeah, I guess so. Well, very well, unrealistically chaste, I thought. Right, right. But you know, what did you think of the sex scene on One Last Live? That was like a year ago between uh, Kiss. I thought it was incredible. And look, one day they're gone. What does that say? I mean, I'm still reeling in shock over that. You know, it's like I never forgave Bone. You know, I never forgave you know Bone Hope for replacing Julian Dutch. And that's 1980, and I'm still mad. This is like 30 years later. I can imagine how people must feel about. No, I'm serious. I can imagine how people must feel about one life to live. You know, it, it, it's funny to me that that they didn't. They they really didn't take Guiding Light's route. I mean, Guiding Light at the end brought back Iva and brought back Bridget and brought back Dylan and brought back you know uh-huh. all kinds of people from the past. And World Turns didn't really do that. Well, they have such an enormous cast when you think of how many people they could have brought back. And they had a lot of unresolved stories. They had Luke and Noah. They had Chris. They had all these, un- you know, they, they I, I think what they did was very lovely, to tell you the truth, was the way they wrapped up all these stories. They wrapped them all up with love. Everybody's looking happily ever after, and that should only happen in real life. I've been loving all these stories at the end. You know, well, this is what people want. They don't want guns. They want love. The, I don't know. I, I don't know if you if you recorded the wedding yet, but they had the Jack and Carly wedding. It was beautiful. You know, the weddings have just been wonderful, and people are you know winding up with each other for keeps. And what great payoffs! Yeah, payoff. That's the word. That's the word that you have to give payoffs. There's no payoff on one life to live. <laughs> What's the payoff on one life to live? Those two sisters get pregnant by the same little dorky dress. I mean, please. <laughs> Although he's adorable, but. <laughs> You know, the, the blessing here is that is that the, the people running World Turns had plenty of notice that the show was going off the air, so they had lots of time to really, you know, plan this out. And, yeah, and yeah, but still, they didn't know that they didn't know that uh, that, that that Nancy was going to die. They sure, didn't know Helen Wagner was going to die, and they had to write that in. And they but they didn't do like a three week funeral the way they they did for everyone, you know, like for Alice Horton. And they had to write it in. I'm sure that was extremely difficult for them. It just is amazing that the show is not going to be around anymore because it's not an antique, you know. There are a lot of shows that were antique. I still miss Cedric Knight. <laughs> I still miss Another World. Me too. It, it's funny that you say that it's not an antique, but it is a, a very unique piece of Americana. I mean, you know, let's not forget that watching this show is how an enormous fraction of this country first found out about the shooting of John F. Kennedy. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, for decades, this was, without question, America's soap opera. Fair. That's true. It was. If you have 78% of the audience, that's true. And that's how a lot of people found out about the, you know, the, the, the shooting of President Kennedy. When you see that class of clips, they always show as the world You bet. Turns. You bet. Where is World Turns going to land in a, in a, just in general, on a list of classic soaps? Is it going to be at the top? Is it going to be... Probably pretty high up there. Definitely pretty high up there. I mean, I think it was, you know, the most classic of the classic. I can't think of anything that was more classic. I think Guiding Light was the classic, and As the World Turns was the classic. I can't think of many others that I would call a classic. I mean, there were many stuff that you and I are too young to know about that, you know, that people don't even talk about anymore. Secret Storm or... Search for Tomorrow. Yeah, well, Search for Tomorrow, I remember. But, um, you know, but I do think that Guiding Light, As the World Turns, might even land at number one. Depends on who's doing the list. And how are these final episodes going to stack up against those of, of other historic shows? Oh, that we're much better. About? I mean, when you sit and you cry every day, I mean, I can't think of a better way to end a show. You know, it's what you want for yourself. It's what you want for the friends and the people that you love. What's your take on this on this Martha Byrne story? On 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 the fact that 
I mean, the, the published report that Noel Beck offered to, you know, give up the role of Lily so that Martha could come back and, and they said no. Grace, this does, doesn't Noel have great grace? So beautiful. And, you know, that's such a graceful thing to do, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's beyond magnanimous. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a whole other. I, I think, unfortunately, though, they said that Martha Byrne and uh, the producer had a big falling out, so I guess it just didn't happen. No, but I think Noel Beck had such a quality of loveliness about her, you know, such a lovely feeling, and she's grown so much as an actress. I did a little role on Loving when Trisha married Trucker, and she was, oh, my God. <laughs> she was so unexperienced and ungraceful. And kind of what a graceful thing to do to say, I'm going to give up my role. Can you imagine Sonny saying, I'm going to give up my role? Uh, you know, come on. People well, don't do that in daytime. And just imagine being self-aware enough to, to you know, understand that, that what is best for the show. Right. I'm sure many people, I'm sure most people wanted to see Martha at the end because to them she means, as a world term, she grew up on the show. God, I, I interviewed her and Laura Lee Bell when they were 16, and now they're both like 40 and mothers and have three wow. kids each. But seriously, I mean, I'm sure many, many people wanted to see her, and I think, you know, Noel Beck should be very well thought of for what she did. Absolutely. So what are you watching as we head into fall? Well, there's not a lot, huh? There's not a lot of pickings. <laughs> not a lot. Well, there's Young and Restless, and then there's all my boring children. What's with this heck killing off Vincent and Rosari? Is that insanity? <laughs> they have no villains on that show. They have no David Canary. They have no Vincent and Rosari. Who's the villain on the show? Well, uh, it seems, they seem to be trying to plug Michael Nury into that slot. In, oh, in, isn't in he boring? Way. I want him to go on his diet. No, <laughs> no offense. I've interviewed Michael Murray. He's a good actor. He's been everywhere. You know, he's a Broadway. He was just in damages. But he's so boring on that show. God, if they're trying to get, like, an older man, give me a break. He's not for me, baby. You know what's funny? I kind of like him. He, he's, I don't know, he's not He's not typical soap, if that makes sense. Well, that's true. It's true. I think they are playing that role. But also, you know, I think he's had a lot of problems because Susan Lucci has been on vacation for like six months. So, you know, I think they don't know what to do with him until she comes back. And I think she's coming back next week or the week after, but she should be back soon. Okay. But he's just so bleh. <laughs> don't you think? You don't think so? My voice rises in register. You know, I don't know. It's it, it, it's kind of hard to find any spark on that show, and so whenever you see one, I just kind of gravitate yeah. to it. So. Is he going to be the villain? Well, I mean, they seem to be setting up him versus Jr. and in, in oh, much the same so way that boring. You know, David Canary gave so much to that show, and and you know, without that, without Canary, that show just doesn't have any badness. I, I absolutely Mitchell. agree. With you. I mean, where's the badness? You've got to have badness to have goodness. You've got to have conflict. Where's the conflict? <laughs> I absolutely agree with you, absolutely. Plus, without David Canary on that show, I mean, you know, James Mitchell is dead also. You, you know, you've lost, Ray McDonald's retired, so you, you've I lost, so you've lost a lot of the generation. Yeah, and this, 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 where, 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 where is it? There's no there there. I was shocked at Vincent Rosario. I was wondering if because if he wanted too much money. I mean, this is a huge star, humongous, and he's gone? It doesn't make any sense. So who's left? I mean, who's left on this show? <laughs> Who is left? I'm, I'm shocked. They've got to keep this show going. If they cancel all my children, I will be. You'll have to like pick me up off the floor. <laughs> what do you think of Miss Vanessa? What's your take on this? Oh, well, you know, it's interesting. You know, I was never a Vanessa fan, and but now I watch her scenes, and I think that you know, and I was telling this to some friends of mine who I had brunch with on Sunday that will also watch the end of As the World Turns that. 
if you turn the sound off and you just watch her and Sonny, if you just watch them together, they're fabulous. They're the most fabulous super couple. They cry. They really get each other. But, you know, what's he saying? Well, I, you know, I absolve, you know, she absolves him for killing the son. She absolves him for everything. Yes. But I think they have chemistry. But I have a feeling they're going to build a whole show around her, and I think that'll probably be a mistake. What do you think? You know, it, it's funny. I was never a massive Brenda fan back in the day, ever. Really? Uh-huh. But, but this marketing campaign, even though it was incessant and, you know, uh, just maddening after a while, it was so skillfully executed that... I started thinking, man, I can't wait to see Brenda again. Yeah. I mean, it was it was so funny because I was never a fan of hers back in the day. Ever. Yeah, I was never a fan either. I always used to think that people would project onto her, you know. But she had – did you see the scene with her and Sonny where they were talking, you know, that scene where she he was confessing all to her? Uh-huh. And she was actually quite good. I thought that she really came through when she said, you've got to go back to your kids. And she was quite passionate. She's had quite a, you know, quite a good career, but she's on for a year, so I guess they're going very slowly. I think the real mistake is, is that – when they introduced her, they just had her on alone for three weeks. Absolutely. And they didn't get them together. But I think that they're just—I think they're waiting for sweets, to tell you the truth. So now Sonny is sleeping with the DA again. So, <laughs> you know, what else is now? But, but I don't know. As I said, if you put the sounds off, they're fabulous together. But, you know, it, was, it, it seemed like such a boneheaded move just to have her stuck in Italy with people we don't care about. That's true. Although the one who played her boyfriend, Brad Rowe, he wasn't too bad, but they didn't do anything. He was fine, but he was a new character that you don't really care about. And, That's you know, true. after all this after all this advanced publicity and, and, you know, knowing that people were going to tune in and be curious. Right, it's true. They did not bring her back right away, but I think there's a method to this. I think that first they're going to show her with Sonny, and then they're going to show her with Jason, and then finally they're going to bring her back to town to hide out. <laughs> who hides out in Port Charles? Well, I heard a rumor that that they're they're going to kill off Kate and they're going to make Brenda the ed- the new editor of of the magazine. Whatever. Oh, that she. Oh, great. She has a great background. A movie star, right? So she's going to kill Kate. Oh no. I, you know, I, that's just a rumor. But her I real have... name is Connie. They can't kill her. <laughs> her real name is Connie. I just heard that somewhere, and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting, I guess. But yeah, it's too bad because she was one of those few intelligent women they had on that show. <laughs> So what do you think of this Adam mess on 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 uh, Young and the Restless? Oh, I think he's fabulous. I could watch him all day long. I spoke to Paul Rouse recently, and I said, Adam, I could watch him all day long. <laughs> but you know, they've had him in so much trouble, and they've redeemed him so many times already. You know, it's like too much already. But he he he's just fabulous, and you know, I don't know why he's not off doing nighttime like he should be. You know, I think he's great. What do you think? You know, I, I think that the actor is fantastic. I just think that. You know, there, there's this new trend on soaps that bothers me, and it's and it's villains getting away with too much. I remember years ago, Mimi used to say that you know that nobody paid, and she was right. You know, Mimi Torchin, who was the editor of Soap Opera Weekly when I was there, and a, a friend to me for decades. And there's no consequences. There's exactly. no consequences. It's like on all my children. Who's going to get away? You know, who's who's going to go to jail for killing David? Who do you think? Well, look at when I live. Todd has paid for nothing that he's done. Todd nothing. has paid for nothing, ever. And, you know, back in the old days, like when, for instance, when Susan Lucci stole Maria's baby on All My Children. and then right. had to, She went to jail for six she months. She went to jail. That's right. And she Lindsay on, on on One Life to Live, she went to jail for her crimes and then got out and committed more crimes and went to jail. Nobody nobody pays for their crimes anymore. No one pays for their and crimes, it, and that's one of the reasons the soaps are so unbelievable. And it bothers me. Yeah, even on these Real Housewives shows, you know, they get prosecuted if they spend money that's not their own. 
But, you know, who's going to pay? Nobody pays. And that's one of the reasons substance is so boring. You know, if nobody pays, what's the point? If you're going to kill somebody, there's no deterrent. What do you think of One Life to Live? What's your... Uh, it's boring. You know, how for years I keep saying it's sexist, it's sexist, it's sexist. Well, now it's just boring. I am bored silly by it. I'm bored by people dying and not really being dead. You know, I'm bored. What do you think? It's a tough slog. I mean, you know, like I said, they got rid of Kish, and they've replaced him with all these plastic pretty boys that have, you know, gorgeous bodies but not much else. The show is very harshly lit, and I don't know if it always was, and I just never noticed it, or if... Yeah, people keep saying the production uh, the production values are so great. I don't think they're so great. You know, the but that's a teeny-weeny little studio over there where they used to have all my children. I, I think it doesn't look very good, too. I agree with you. But, I mean, you know, the studio movie was supposed to help with all that because it was a little bigger than their old studio. Right. And yet the show is harshly lit, and, you know, there's shadows everywhere, and... The sets are just uh, awfully shabby looking. I just don't understand what's what's happening. Yeah, there's no glamour, you know. There's no glamour at all. There's no the, – the costumes are kind of dowdy, don't you think? Absolutely. And there's just no – it's just you know, it's, it's just no glitz, you know. It doesn't shine. As I said, it's a boring hour, and if you don't watch it, I don't really think you're missing a lot. Although you're missing Eli, my love. <laughs> I love that guy. I just love his face. That's it. <laughs> you know, they brought back Gina Tonyoni and, yeah. and done nothing with her at all. Yeah, I think they've had a lot of problems finding somebody who they're going to mix her up with. I guess they're going to mix her I think they're going to set her up with the new Joey, whoever that's going to be. Yes. They say a lot of people say it might be Michael Park, but I'm not sure. What do you think? Oh, I don't know about – I think he's off too awfully old. He's He's – a little old for that part, is he not? Yeah, he is. They need somebody in their 30s. It's too bad they can't get Nathan Fillion back. Or Jeff Branson. Yeah, well, Jeff Branson is too late. Way too late. They've got him on Young and Restless. They're not going to lose him very quickly. They've got a great lineup on Young and Restless. You have to, you have to say that. You know, uh, it's it's Paul's genius. I mean, he's great at finding these young people and bringing them in and, you know, oh, nurturing yeah. them and, and really, you know, making them shine. He's well, you know how I feel about Paul. I've always celebrated him. I've always said he was a genius, and I was the first one. <laughs> and everyone knows that, including Paul. Paul's been around longer than anyone in the world. And uh, he really, if you're not a good actor, he will let you know it. And I think that, you know, that he knows who his good actors are, and he uses them. Well, and, you know, what's, what's great about him is, is he is great about finding talent. Talent, I know. I and, and nurturing them into great actors. Right, exactly, because he's very strict. You know, I'm a professor. I have to work with kids all the time. And, I, you know, I, I, I had this regime this summer. I taught a summer class. And I really kicked those kids' butts. And I made them into good writers. They didn't like me very much. <laughs> but I really kicked their butts. And if any of my students know, if any of my students are listening, I've been very nice this semester so far. It's, although it's only the second week. But yeah, I just started. <laughs> Only the second week. But you've really got to be very strict because they will not listen. They will not make changes. And uh, I'm sorry. The kids who bus I kicked over the summer, I think, are going to be good journalists. I really do, even if they didn't really like me all that much. You know, before we wrap up here, I want to, I want to make everybody seemingly jealous and, and reveal that when I was in New York City this past May, I had the honor of spending a wonderful afternoon. Oh, oh, I had the 
honor spending a wonderful time with you. We had a, we had a fabulous lunch in Lower Manhattan. You walked me around your neighborhood and showed me where all the yeah. stars live. And oh, I, so. I, I felt so happy that, you know, I felt so valued. I, I felt so valued that you caught my columns and stuff. And um, I was really glad to see you. You're going to be coming in again anytime soon? You know what? I, maybe sometime this fall. And, and if I do, I'll certainly look you up. Because oh, of course. That would be great. And by then we'll have no self The only one we'll have is one life. What are we going to do? It's you know it's just crazy. It's just it's crazy. Real, isn't it sad? It, it's sad. It's sad is not even the word. I, I I don't even know how to describe it. It's not. It's so much more than sad. It's, uh, I know. It's it's tragic. Yeah. So there really isn't a lot to watch as we go into the you know the post as the world turns era. I mean I think Y and R is watchable and. GH, I guess, you know, they're just going to keep building and building this Brenda thing. And One Life is the one I'm really nervous about. And all my children, I mean, who's left? I mean, as I said, they're going to at least, least as I said, I said this before that Lucy's coming back, so maybe that'll create some kind of excitement. Yeah, and they've still got Tad, and they've still got uh, Greenlee, Rebecca Buttig, and they've That's still got... That's true. That's true. Tad is like the Iron Man. Did you happen to see over the summer the the ones where they had the different online, they had the different, like, Tad and Blair? Did you happen to see the, I think they're called What If? Uh-huh. What did you think of those? You know, it was, I mean, it was, for what it was, it was it was greatly creative. I mean, uh-huh. you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, the return of, of Dostoyevsky or anything, but, uh-huh. but uh, you know. I thought they were kind of cute. For what it was, it was great fun. It was cute. I mean, you're always in an elevator or on an airplane or something. You're saying, what are they doing on an airplane together? What are they doing in an elevator? But that's kind of standard. I thought the one with Tad and Blair was adorable. The, the, the musical one, yeah? Yeah, the one where they're in the airplane. I thought it was adorable. Tad can't sing, but she kind of wraps her body around him, and I thought it was very, very well done. And it was it was funny seeing Michael Easton and Kelly Monaco together again. Yeah, that was funny. That little poster in the back yeah. that said, Caleb and Libby. <laughs> <laughs> and the one with what was it, Spinelli and Todd? Oh, I didn't see that one. How was it? It was it was hilarious because you know I mean I'm not I'm not a Spinelli fan, but but uh-huh. Bradford is is undeniably a fantastic actor and he's great right. with that character and and it was funny watching Trevor kind of react off of him. Really, uh, I'd like to see that. Maybe they'll show them again. You know, I hopefully they will show them on the big screen because I think a lot of people didn't really get to see them. Yeah. You know, but they were fun. They had the one with Tommy Geary and Erica Slayback in an yeah. elevator. I yeah. mean, you know, you, that's, uh, you know, years ago, people used to say you shouldn't break up the continuity of your shows by having the characters, you know, together or take them out of the realities of their shows. But I think these days, you know, this is one of the good things that have come, has come from the era of desperation. Well, and it's funny because for a while, you know, there was kind of crossover fever amongst all the soaps. I mean, you know. Uh-huh. I mean, they tied, you know, all four of the ABC soaps together with Ray Cummings. and Oh, yes. Poor, poor Linda. And there was... Bring back Linda. <laughs> and there was Sheila and Lauren going back and forth between Y&R and B&B, and, and right. they had several crossovers, and so that was kind of the craze for a while. And uh-huh. So this was kind of a fun little spinoff of that, I guess. I thought it was fun for the summer, and it gave Frank, uh, who was the producer of One Life to Live, something really to have fun with, and the fun that is not in One Life to Live. Yep. <laughs> you know. Is there any fun in One Life to Live these days? You tell me. <laughs> you couldn't prove it by me, baby. Now David is gone, so, I mean, he was pretty much the fun on that show, and I guess he'll be gone for Desperate Housewives for a while. He'll be back. He always seems to come back. Yeah. And Roxy doesn't seem to be on very much either. She hasn't been on in, in I haven't seen her in months. Literally. Yeah. Months. I don't think she's worked. And, of course, they don't have the most my most favorite character of all, the character I named my dog after, Nigel. <laughs> Where is Nigel? I know that Peter Bartlett is doing a show here in New York, but 
Where is Nigel? Marlena wants to know. <laughs> Where is Nigel? Where is Renee? Rene- right. I heard Renee, there was a Renee fighting last year, but I want to, I, I miss Renee, but I really miss <laughs> Nigel. How many people name their dogs after soap <laughs> opera characters? Well, I tell you what, I've had a great time speaking Me with you this too. evening. I always have a great time. I hope to see you when you're in New York, and I love being on your show. Absolutely. Well, listen, you are welcome here anytime you know that. Please Great. And Brandon is the best. He's a real journalist. Always remember that, folks. Thanks so much, Brandon. Thank you very much. I really uh, appreciate it. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. The magnificent Connie Heyman, everybody. Marlena right. Delacroix herself on Brandon's Buzz. Brandon's Buzz in the can. Three ways to find Brandon's Buzz. If you're listening, you already know, but in case you don't. Uh, three ways to find Brandon's Buzz. The first way is blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. From there, you can listen to the show. You can download old episodes of the show. You can leave comments. You can send emails. It really is home base for Brandon's Buzz. Again, it's blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. You can also find me at my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. There at the top of any page at brandonsbuzz.com is a blue button marked radio. You click that button. That takes you to a page where you can see all episodes of this show. There are 67 episodes of this show. This and all previous 66 are available in the radio archive at brandonsbuzz.com. Uh, you can also find me on iTunes. I'm on iTunes, guys. Just type in Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box. Scroll down to the podcast section. Click on my logo from there. You can, you can uh, download the previous episodes of the show as podcasts for playback on the device of your choosing, or you can subscribe to the show and have new episodes automatically download to your library the minute they're uploaded to the store. So I'm all over the Internet. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on iTunes. Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and something will pop up that points you in my direction. And I appreciate you guys coming in my direction. I appreciate you guys finding me and listening to me. And I hope you continue finding and listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, everybody out there. This is Eileen Kristen, and I have just been on Brandon's Buzz. This is a great show and a very sophisticated mind. So spread the word, Brandon's Buzz. This is Claire Massey from Tammy Show, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Great guy, great show. Check it out. Hey, guys, this is Brett Claywell from One Life to Live, and you're listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Lynn Herring on Brandon's Buzz. It's the great entertainment talk show on now. Brandon, I love you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So if you feel that you just can't take it, and your world isn't what it seems, don't forget that life can be what you make it. Baby, when you live on the street of dreams. Hey, this is Mia Peoples, and you're with Brandon Buzz, the place to be. Hi, everybody. This is Nicholas Walker. Merci à tous. Écoutez Brandon Buzz sur Blog Talk Radio. Bonsoir et à très bientôt. <laughs> 